Hello and welcome to the Conservatarian Podcast. This is episode 26 with your host CJ Westfall. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we've been gone for the past couple days. Yesterday we were supposed to have the big interview with John Warren. Um, his flight got delayed and he is on a minute-to-minute schedule, I'm told, by the campaign manager and says that he will not be able to make it with us until tomorrow, Thursday, at 2 p.m. So definitely look out for that interview. Tonight we have a very special guest. Um, also some more news tonight. We had the governor's debate. Um, I posted a link to it on my Facebook page. Go look at that. Um, I haven't had a chance to watch it, so let me know what your thoughts are. Uh, Today we have a very special guest running in District 83 in the North Augusta area. It's right in the – it covers a couple different counties. Edgefield and Aiken counties have a lot of uh, Medicare clients in that area. Definitely some very nice people up there. Um, David Weichel is also on Swamp Fox Radio, which is the famous libertarian – uh, radio station based out of Columbia. Um, so I'm definitely happy to have this guest on here tonight. David, how is your night going? Thanks for doing this so late. I am fantastic. Uh, thank you for having me on, CJ. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Uh, definitely been a fan of the show, Swamp Fox Radio, for a very long time. You guys are doing a lot of good stuff, talking about liberty, and uh, you know, spreading the message, which is, is what we need to be doing. Um, so what? no better place for uh, David Weichel than the Conservatarian Podcast um, I, I'm, I'm somebody who grew up a conservative and became a libertarian because I was disgusted with the Republican party, not sticking to their principles. Um, and we, we, you know, we talked a little bit before the show about how you became a libertarian. If you could just tell us and our audience, David, what is it that makes you want to be a libertarian rather than a Republican these days? Well, uh, to paraphrase Ronald Reagan, I didn't leave the Republican party. The Republican party left me. <laughs> We see things like Obamacare that's still enacted, and Rand Paul and uh, Mark Sanford put together just an awesome free market plan uh, for healthcare involving healthcare savings accounts. And I thought, man, Mark Sanford just didn't get enough credit for helping write that bill. Uh, he championed it in the House, ran in the Senate, and uh, we still we, we 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 still see these moderate Republicans in the Senate and um, the, the, these large factions of moderate Republicans in the House um, on the national level that are, you know, not voting for conservative legislation. Uh, we st- you know, we- Planned Parenthood is still being funded. We don't have a wall. Um, we-, we aren't passing key legislation like Obamacare repeal. When I think that, I mean, that was arguably one of the biggest issues was health care on the campaign trail. And, uh, you know, here in South Carolina, we-, we still only have one 
one insurance company to choose from. If you're under 65 years old, you can, you can only choose Blue Cross, and that's not a that's not a free market solution. That's that's crony capitalism. That Blue Cross gets to be the only company that sells health insurance to under 65 year olds. Um, so I think the corporatism and the and the Republican Party is pushing a lot of people out um, because they're just you know they're raising spending. They're they're making these big giant uh, budgets that you see coming out of Washington. Um, you know I don't blame you for wanting to come out as a libertarian. Um, tell me about a little bit about your background, man. Um, I know you had said you were you had done some military service. Um, how, you know what is your what are your thoughts on the military, military service, and um, military policy in general as a libertarian? So um, you know I was 17 years old. I was in high school, and uh, in 2004 uh, I signed my contract to join the Marine Corps. And um, after I graduated. Uh, in May of 2005, I had a few months at home, and then I went to Paris Island. Wow. Um, and I spent four years in the Marines. I'm proud of my service. I'm proud of the things that um, I was able to do for my country. Um, but, you know, uh, I have my own issues when it comes to things like the uh, Department of Veteran Affairs. Right. Um, you know, uh, I am one of those uh, veterans that you may see. It's wheelchair bound. Uh, I'm not always in a wheelchair, but there are a lot of times I am in a wheelchair because of service connected uh, injuries that cause me pain. So, um, but I think that a good use of our military is protecting our country. And so when it comes to things like deploying National Guard troops to the border, to work with the Border Patrol. Mm-hmm. I think that's an outstanding use of our military. I think that's the best use of our military probably in decades, um, if you don't count the other times that they've been sent right. to the border. Um, I think McMaster I just sent just sent a few hundred boys down to Texas uh, this week. Did you see that? Um, no, I've actually been focused more on, on uh, state and local politics. Sure, sure, um, yeah than um, national, international politics. I, I, I come up for air for the big stuff. <laughs> I try and focus on the things that are important to the people here in District 83. Yeah. yeah. Whether, whether it's uh, securing our firearms freedoms, whether it's uh, energy reform in the form of repealing the Baseload Review Act in yep. 2007 and opening up the energy market in South Carolina. We're de- we're definitely gonna get to the energy and, and energy choice. I was I was saying uh, Henry McMaster, our governor, <laughs> he had sent uh, South Carolina National Guardsmen uh, this week to to Texas. It was a big controversial thing, um, big big controversial thing there. Um, so yeah, man, we're gonna get to energy. We're gonna get to the baseload review act, gas tax, constitutional carry. I think constitutional carry is is a is probably the most hot button issue that I've heard from grassroots voters this election is. You know, people don't want to have to pay to to exercise their rights, uh, pay the state to exercise their rights, and that's been a big issue. Um, what made David Weichel want to run? Uh, what made David want to run for District 83? Well, um, my opponent in this race is Mr. Bill Hickson, and he is a Republican in name uh, only. He's <laughs> a rhino just to say that he's a rhino, but he's actually... Um, uh, helped. Um, he was a treasurer for a Democrat, um, actually at one point in time, and he actually founded a group um, 
Republicans um, for um, that specific Democrat, actually. Um, he has run unopposed in every general election since 2010. Uh, the only challenger that he's, he's had was in 2010 in the Republican primary. Um, the Democrats haven't put anybody up. No other third parties have put anybody up. I realize, you know, my representative, my so-called representative, he voted for the gas tax. Wow. He was one of the original sponsors of the gas tax. Oh, my God. He has been missing from the House floor uh, when it comes to important votes uh, with regards to handguns, concealed carry, things like that. Um, and so I see things like that. And I see that he's unopposed, and I tried to find someone else. I really did. I even tried to get my own father to run. I said, please, please run. I will help you fill out the paperwork. But um, at the end of the day, there's a two-week filing period in South Carolina to run for office, and no one else had filed, so I said, I'm going to do it. And so <laughs> I went down to the county um municipal building and i filled up the paperwork shocked my wife when i did that <laughs> and uh, you know went about my merry way and did everything since then I've, I've had a lot of help from people in the lp i've had help from um politicos that uh, are outside of the lp but have worked in politics for a while to help me with building a good grassroots campaign and uh, making sure that i stay legal with everything that's good, man. That's 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 really good to hear, and and I don't blame you. It, it seems like here in South Carolina we have a lot of these Republicans that don't adhere to Republican principles because they used to be Democrats, and um, you, you find that people like Hugh Leatherman, who used to be a Democrat, um, you know, they they carry on a lot of their principles. Uh, they say what they have to say during election time, but then you see them abstaining from key votes on guns, abstaining from key votes on abortion. Um, so many Republicans are just. They're pro-choice. Uh, they wouldn't mind gun control. They don't mind raising taxes, and you know they'll do anything for you know party leadership. So I, I, I appreciate that we have a, a candidate like yourself that that's willing to uh, be bold enough to put themselves out there and do the hard thing and say, you know what, um, it might be an uphill battle, but I'm going to fight for principle here, and um, and that is to be commended, man. I'm, I'm glad you've you've had help from the LP and whatnot. Um, as far as um, how you'd say you you know specifically substantively differentiate yourself? You say the the gas tax is the biggest thing. Um, what other substantive issues besides uh, raising the gas tax, which we're going to get to? I want to talk about free market solutions to to fixing the roads. Um, but what are what are some of the other issues that you di differentiate on with Bill Hickson? Firearms freedoms. Um, you know, I, I don't say that I'm pro gun. I am for firearms freedoms. And the difference is uh, saying you're pro gun makes it sound like, oh, I'm pro car. <laughs> no, I am for your firearms freedoms. And um, I've put out um, policies on my Facebook page and I've made copies of uh, comments that I've sent to gun owners of America the NRA, uh, various other organizations that have sent me surveys and questionnaires talking about the things that I want to push for in South Carolina. Uh, I'd like to um, have a constitutional amendment that 
very plainly says that, you know, we are allowed to carry arms at all times. Um, you know, have true constitutional carry. Um, because what they do now with our state constitution and with the laws that we have is they they make it very hard um, for people to be able to um, exercise their natural rights right. uh, legally and lawfully. Um, because, you know, there's a up to 90 days uh, turnaround for your permit to be received um, from you after you send your paperwork off to select. Um, there's the process of getting getting approved, and um, while South Carolina is a shall issue state, um, it's possible for uh, someone along the chain to say, "No, I don't want this guy to have a gun." And okay. I've actually run into instances, um, well, not a gun, but a permit, where um, there was a, a gentleman. And I use the term very loosely. <laughs> who um, wanted to get a permit, and he had gone through the entire process to get approval from the state. And he had a relative that was a sheriff in a county somewhere. I won't say where. And um, what they do when you go through the permitting process in South Carolina is they contact the chief law enforcement officer, which is your local sheriff. Right. And the sheriff has so much time. If he doesn't say anything against you, then they go through with the next step in the process. They go through the FBI background check and everything else. But if the sheriff, for whatever reason, uh, denies you your permit, well, I don't know of a way to get around that. I'm sure that, that there might be a way in South Carolina law, but I don't think someone should be denied the right to be able to defend themselves um, just because the local sheriff doesn't like you for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. You see something like that happen out in California. It shouldn't happen in South Carolina. Yeah, I think that's a very sound sound argument, too, there. Um, I think that, that that argument would appeal to even moderates, um, not not letting partisans decide who gets to be armed and who doesn't. Um, that, that definitely could spiral out of control really quick. Um, but yeah, you hear their argument, you know, from, from conservatives and the grassroots and you never seem to hear the arguments on the, on the house and Senate floor here in South Carolina, but you know, why should we have to pay to exercise our national, uh, our natural rights? Um, are you an advocate of, of constitutional carry and, um, and even automatic weapons? I, I mean, I personally think they should be legal, um, without having to you know, go through, you know, paying a $30,000 tax stamp and getting permission from your local sheriff's office. Um, are you pretty much... 100% as far as you could possibly go, constitutional carry pro-gun? I am the pro-gun candidate. If you're going to say that someone's pro-gun, I am the candidate, and I challenge anyone in any race in South Carolina to prove me wrong because <laughs> I, I have uh, actually constructed – you know, in my feeble little jarhead mind, a um, constitutional amendment that um, would act like the Firearms Freedom Act that you've seen in other states. Right. It would be a constitutional amendment. It would allow. It would be basically a nullification amendment. It would allow us to manufacture silencers within the state's borders as long as they're not going to go outside of the state, as long right. as they're only used inside the state. Um, take that also to machine guns 
and any other thing. Um, and it's not specific to firearms either. Um, the nullification amendment, it, it deals with anything that's manufactured, grown, or produced inside the physical borders of the state of South Carolina. Um, because there are a lot of things that are under attack. And I wrote it with the mind of um, someone who wants to be able to buy uh, a machine gun or to manufacture a silencer and not um, pay that $200 tax stamp to uh, the ATF for that right. Right. Um, but it's it covers other things. I just didn't realize it when I first wrote it. Interesting. Interesting. Well, that I mean, I think a constitutional amendment, um, I think it's needed because the pendulum could could swing very quickly, and we could get legislation out of the out of the big house on gun control really quickly. It, it, you know, we could get a get a Barack Obama um, back in there. We could get a Michelle Obama, and we're you know just one crisis away from a gun grab. So you know, having a state constitutional amendment protecting that that's not a bad idea. I haven't heard anybody. Um, Anybody mentioned that idea, so that's that's definitely something that I think should get some steam. And if anybody's not for it, um, they should be primaried. <laughs> well, well, cool, man. Well, I think that's a fresh idea. I think that's definitely a, a good place to start. Um, so you're a veteran. Um, you were in infantry with the Marines. So you're around a lot of um, different people that were trained killers. Um, these trained killers come back to the United States and they get addicted to opiates. They get addicted to different pain medications. And um, they're put in a cage if they want to try to smoke some, you know, marijuana. Um, they're put in a cage. Veterans that went and, you know, risk their lives to, to, you know, further our freedoms. And I don't think our freedoms exist in Iraq. But at the same time, I, I, I just have the utmost respect for anybody who is in the military or who has ever served. Um, now, what are your what are your thoughts on on uh, medicinal marijuana and, and how it how it affects veterans with PTSD and what are your thoughts on how veterans are are kind of just getting left out in the cold with not only the Department of Veterans Affairs but um, I mean our our veterans our VA here in Charleston just is one of the best VAs um, but as a whole I think the department is is lacking and and ignoring something I, I don't know I feel like it'll be 15 years before you know we'll be able to really truly prescribe all of our veterans um, with, you know, some kind of medicinal marijuana or maybe just CBD or I don't know. What are your thoughts on veterans and, um, and marijuana? Um, I just want to make one correction. Um, I worked with the infantry. I served with the infantry. Uh, I was not in the infantry. Um, those guys are a step above, you know, anything that I ever did. Um, you know, because yeah, those guys were the tip of the spear. Those guys were the guys checking indoors. Uh, those guys were the ones that, you know, um, were who signed up and they said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go out and I'm, I'm going to carry this 30-pound machine gun and it's ammo because that's what I want to do for my country. Um, I was a – my job – uh, title was combat correspondent. I was basically a glorified war reporter that wore camis and ha also happened to have uh, a rifle. Mm -hmm. um, but um, getting on to the, the heart of your question, um, I think that veterans, and 
honestly, anyone should have access, ready access to uh, medicine. Um, I have used the VA healthcare system in the past. In fact, I it's my primary form of healthcare right now because I'm self-employed. Um, and so because of that, I've, I have heard about the opioid crisis for so long. I've seen um, people inside of the system and outside of the system freaking out about it. And there are only so many options for the doctors and nurses and other caregivers inside of that system. Um, and I, in general, don't like Georgia. I live on the border, <laughs> um, about South Carolina boy. Um, I realized that North Carolina was started as a squatter's colony. Um, <laughs> Georgia started out as a prison colony. And so, you know, I, I realized that we were actually a good chartered colony. So I have some pride there. But I have to give credit where credit is due. Um, the Georgia legislature passed a bill that extended um, medicinal um, cannabis um, to um, veterans with PTSD. And to his credit, the governor signed it. And that happened um, sometime in the last uh, three to four weeks. Um, and it shocked me. And uh, I, I know several veterans because um, I get to group get together with veterans on a regular basis, being a veteran, um, that I see every week. And uh, most of them that I see live in Georgia. And, you know, we all know the issues that we all struggle with, whether it's pain, whether it's PTSD, um, whether it's other issues that veterans deal with. And, you know, just being able to to tell my uh, my brothers and sisters, hey, you know, you live in Georgia. Um, you have access to this medicine now. I don't know if you'll use it. I don't know if you want to use it. But I want you to know that you have the ability to go out and use this now. And, uh, you know, someone thanked me. They're like, you know, I've, I've tried a lot of other stuff. And, you know, maybe I'll try that out and see if it works. But they're not going to get that through the VA. Um, and the other side of that is with, and this is, this is why we need reform. This is why we need gun reform. Some people might say we need less regulations, not more regulations. Whenever you fill out a form at a federal firearms licensee, whenever you go to a gun shop to buy a gun, you have to fill out a form. And one of the questions on that form is whether or not you use illegal drugs, including cannabis. And they've changed the wording in the past few years, but it's still there. It's still illegal on a federal level to use cannabis for any, um, most cannabis products and byproducts. And so because of that, you are restricted from being able to use um, firearms, be able to own them, be able to buy ammunition uh, legally. Um, and so there are a lot of people, I'm sure, that are actually lying on these federal forms. And, right. you know, uh, Lord help them if they ever get caught. But um, I, I find it odd that uh, an alcoholic that beats his wife, but his wife never reports it, um, that 
going to get more backlash from the federal government than the alcoholic. Yeah, I think in Hawaii they were confiscating guns from medicinal marijuana users at the end of last year. Did you see that? I did. Uh, we actually talked about it on the radio show uh, briefly um, after it happened. and uh, That's heartbreaking for a libertarian, right? <laughs> you know, but the, the deal is Hawaii is a deeply blue state. And it, it's kind of like California in some way. Um, you know, but you find all sorts of loopholes to try and restrict people's freedoms. Um, but... I mean, it's not the first time that it's happened in um, U.S. history. It's not the first time it's happened in modern history. It's not the first time that it's happened even uh, in the 2000s. It's just it was the most visible thing in the last few months. Right. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's saddening to see for sure. Um, here, I, I kind of just thought of this question. Um, as a libertarian um, – Naturally, we're you know we believe in self ownership, so we believe in the legalization of drugs, um, but we also believe in natural rights to defend yourself. Uh, but the political reality of being in favor of those two issues uh, leaves you in a pretty small minority. Uh, whenever you know you 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 know let's pretend that you you got elected tomorrow, um, and you you know you'd be building coalitions with conservatives in the House on guns and um, you know pro-gun Democrats, maybe there are some, um, here in South Carolina, there are some, uh, but then also, you know, the next week on, on maybe a, you know, the compassionate care act, you'd be building coalitions with Democrats. Um, how do you, I guess my question would be is how comfortable would you feel building those coalitions, um, with different, different, different parts of the, um, different sides of the aisle? Uh, where do you think you'd have the most results? And, um, how do you think you could, could do that because libertarians kind of would have to bridge the gap because they're very conservative on some things and very liberal on on a lot of a lot of social issues um and a lot of these people in the chambers they hate each other (laughs) so how do you how do you square that how do you think you'd be able to to work with coalitions on on both sides of the aisle as a libertarian so i think what you have to do and this is this is from Ron Paul, who I voted for in the 2012 primary, who I wanted to to run as a Republican in 2012. Um, you have to work with people um, on the issues where you line up, and then you have to separate yourself from those other things because um, there are Republicans that work with Democrats on the Compassionate Care Act. Um, and Tom Rice. Yeah. You know, um, for instance, you know, Jonathan Hill. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he looks like he's, you know, had a duck dynasty, you know, with his beard. <laughs> but, you know, um, he is a Republican, and he worked with Democrats to try and allow people to have access to medicine that um, doesn't have the same um, terrible effects that opioids have. Um, So you've got to work with people where you can. And if we have an issue where we just disagree, then, you know, I I think that our political process is a little too quiet. I think that um, the House of Representatives 
and the Senate on the federal level and perhaps on the state level in South Carolina need to be a little bit more like um, the Houses of Parliament in um, the UK. You know, there needs to be a little bit more um, tenacity. People need to, to actually stick up for what they believe in. And, uh, you know, sometimes you've got you've to make deals with people that you don't want to. Um, but just because I'm building a coalition with someone on something that we agree with doesn't mean that I'm going to compromise my principles in order to get a bill passed. I would um, chuck a um, good bill out the window if it meant having to sacrifice principles. Right. Um, you know, um, and I'd call people out for it, you know, because um, I remember um, hearing about how um, in the past few years, we came very close to having constitutional carry a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we had Democrats who added ridiculous amendments to the bills. Um, things like making it so that um, everyone who carried, if you carried, uh, you had to have silver bullets um, in your, you know, whatever your firearm of choice was. Mm-hmm. And that's ridiculous. But you call people out on something like that. You know, you work to strike that amendment. Um, And I think that, you know, in 2018, in the 21st century, with social media the way that we have it, I think that it's very possible for a member of even the state legislature to go on Facebook, have uh, consistent meetings. Um, Maybe it's once a week. Maybe it's once a month. Um, maybe it's more than that if there's something big that happens that particular day and call people out on it and talk to constituents and let them know what's going on. Um, I, for the last uh, three weeks, have been uh, every Wednesday. I have had a short 30-ish minutes um, live video that I've done through my campaign page. Uh, That wasn't my idea, though. I'll give uh, proper credit to Mr. Tom Fernandez, who is running um, in the Republican primary down in District 100. Love Tom. Uh, yeah, Tom, Tom seems to be a great guy. I've talked with him a few times. Uh, I'm rooting for him, rooting for him from 83. Um, he, you know, he's reaching out to people. He is having events where he's giving out signs. He shoots videos on Are You a Racist? And... He tells people what's going on in his district. He tells people what's not going on, you know, uh, with regards to things like road repair. You know, all those gas tax dollars that are being used. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. You bring up Tom. Um, that's that's awesome. Tom's he's he's a great guy and he's 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 killing it. Anybody that's running right now for any office needs to look at how that guy's. Um, managing his social media and I talked to him, had him on the show and he was like, um, you know, I, I instituted these social media principles in my business with, you know, bringing in clients to his drone company and um, I'm just instituting the same principle and I, and I do a lot of the same kind of social media work in my, my uh, insurance practice and, um, and I, to, to bring in clients. So to see him killing it like that um, is awesome. But yeah, man, I hear you, um, you know, not wanting to, con- you know, compromise principles in, in the house, um, on the floor and using it as a bully pulpit um, to kind of you know call out those people loudly, like like Tom has in that style, and saying, "Hey, 
this guy in you know district 83 is voting to you know for the government to take more of your own money um and i just think i'm the guy that 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 you know has the crazy idea of letting you keep more of your own money and that you're you know you keep the product of your own labor and you own your labor and um so i just think making those arguments loudly on facebook is, is definitely a great idea it's definitely working for austin peterson um it's you know he raised you know in his presidential run um, you know, he didn't have a chance in hell, but he, you know, he still raised about half a million dollars just off live streams and dank memes, my friend. So it, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's definitely a, a strategy to success for sure. Um, I want to kind of get to some more free market things. Um, everybody's so afraid. I'll talk to Republicans that are moderates that voted for the gas tax, like Katie Arrington down here in, in Charleston, who's running against Mark Sanford, and she defends herself on on voting for the gas tax increase. And I just said to her, I was like, you know, are you so scared of a free market solution? Um, are you so scared that the free market can't solve it? There's so many things like the the Indiana, um, it's Indianapolis. And Indianapolis, um, they, they institute a number of free market solutions. They use different, um, different tolls. They had different bids. Um, but the whole Indianapolis road structure system is all redone using free market solutions Yet, you know, we see Hugh Leatherman's people, you know, his family members be given out, um, you know, hand-given contracts. So it's a little bit of corporatism, a little bit of cronyism, and then a little bit of too much government. Um, all three, I guess, a libertarian would be against for sure. Uh, but I guess my question to you is, is I guess the roads kind of come hand in hand <laughs> with the ethics reform. Um, people always say to libertarians, you know, you always hear um, the my roads argument, you know, they're always... <laughs> they're always saying how are we going to eliminate taxes um, and pay for roads but man I, I just really think there's a lot of free market solutions to that and we've seen the taxes go up last year they're talking about raising them again they're talking about that right <laughs> raising taxes again that's an insult to the taxpayer here because the, the roads are just as bad they're terrible I was in Columbia last week they're horrible in Columbia they're horrible here in Charleston I mean so bad I mean even in front of the city hall um, I live downtown Charleston You'll, I, I was I was driving over a pothole in front of um, the Riverdog Stadium, man, and I was just like, "Are we that bad? Like, is it that bad? Like, um, so I think it is. I think it is that bad because um, the cronyism that we see within the House. There's you know the ongoing corruption probe with uh, what's his name, Robert Quinn. Um, so it's just a mess. Um, so I guess <laughs> this is a two part question. Uh, but what are your thoughts on 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 um, some of the ethics reform? Um, ideas that people have thrown out there especially in the governor's race you've been hearing them talking about ethics reform um and then what are your thoughts on maybe some free market solutions to these roads man because you know statists when they hear about my roads <laughs> yeah so um this is what i'll say we do need ethics reform in south carolina um primarily because of things like the quinn case um you know, um, instances of, you know, Hugh Weatherman um, being in a position of power in this state and then, oh, look, his family is benefiting from this, you know, things like that. And um, the case that really stands out to me, and this has kind of disappeared, but there was actually a South Carolina state senator um, sometime in the last, I want to say it was the last uh, seven months six seven months who um he um was uh 
driving under the influence, and he got pulled over uh, by uh, a trooper, I believe, in South Carolina. And he and his wife switched seats. And he is actually on the ethics committee. <laughs> you know, it's this, this state senator. And, you know, he, he laughed off, um, you know, his court appearance, and he's done a bunch of other stuff. And those are just the tiny little things that stand out to, you know, someone who, you know, like me, who was a political outsider, you know, vote Republican, vote Republican, vote against Democrat. Um, you know, I, you know, despite the fact that I'm running for office, you know, this year, I am an amateur to politics in just about every way. Um, I was part of the great meme jihad of 2016 to help prevent Hillary Clinton from being elected. <laughs> but, I mean, I did that for the walls more than anything. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't know what we need to do in South Carolina to make it um, so that we have a more ethical legislature. I think some things that would help, this is just me spitballing ideas, term limits for one. Um, and then also doing things like saying, hey, you know what? Um, you um, have, there's some shady stuff going on over here. Why is your, your son-in-law over here? Who has this road business? Why is he suddenly flourishing? Oh wait, you know all of these jobs are, you know, all these contracts are, are going towards your county, towards your district. Um, but I think I think part of it has got to be we've got to have our moments, and then something that would really help. And I proposed this with uh, the VC summer debacle is having an independent and out of state. Um, investigation of, um, you know, with the with everything going on in the House and the Senate, you know, why can't we hire an independent out-of-state commission to come in periodically and audit us, basically audit the members of the House, audit the members of the Senate, um, audit the um, members of the executive branch and the members of the judicial branch just periodically you know we have um secret shoppers are less of a thing now than they were you know uh say 30 years ago right. but there's still thing why can't we have independent auditors um from my time in the private sector um i worked uh briefly as a contractor um, for a federal agency um, that um, had very stringent standards when it came to the service that we provided. And periodically, they would audit us. They would have people that would come from across the country. They would audit us. Uh, we had an auditing team that was local that would, you know, come out and would audit us periodically. And then, of course, the company that we work for, the contractor that we work for, would periodically audit us as well because they didn't want to lose the contract and they wanted to make sure that the customer, in this case, federal agency, 
felt secure in the service that we were providing. Right. Why can't we have that in South Carolina for our state government and its agencies and the you know various members of the government when it comes to legislature, the executive, and of course the judiciary? Yeah, certainly not the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> definitely would, definitely would. Uh, I'm sure a lot of skeletons would be dug up. <laughs> I'm sure everyone's got a skeleton in their closet. Um, you know, anybody can find dirt on anybody if they dig hard enough. And sure. uh, you know, it's just a matter of do you want to dig and how hard do you want to dig. So right. people, the dirt is, you know, you just, you just move your hand over it and you can see you know what you've got going on and some of it you gotta dig six feet it's just a matter of how deep you've got to dig yeah man and independent counsel independent investigators definitely definitely would just um they they'd be around it until they, they just keep investigating until they find something i think that's definitely a smart idea um one of the more new ones i've heard about it as far as the roads problems goes um if you're elected I mean, what are you? What are you going to use your bully pulpit to to say? Are you going to try to to court investors? Are you going to, you know, what what is your what is your thoughts on the roads? So, what we really have to do is we have to look at what you know the agencies that are responsible for our roads, what they're doing, and we have to look at the quality of service that we're receiving. And then we have to decide, do we keep doing the same thing that we've been doing for decades, or do we investigate and try and see if there's something else we can do? Um, You know, the I-20 corridor goes from the Gulf of Mexico, states in the Gulf, all the way through Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and beyond. How many trucks pass through South Carolina on I-20 every day? Jeez. You know, what's, what's uh, you know, how much freight passes through there? What's right. the value of that? Right. You know, and, you know, what is it costing those trucking companies when they have to deal with the cheese graders that we have, that we drive on every day, if you drive on I-20 um, in South Carolina. Um, because I live you know, on the border with Georgia, and I told you this before the, the podcast started, but the roads from South Carolina to Georgia, it's like driving on a cheese grater to Christiana <laughs> Club. And yeah. vice versa, you know, going home, you know, there's a noticeable difference in the amount of noise. It sounds like the car is getting ready to fall apart. And then you drive into Georgia and suddenly everything's smooth as ice. That's true. I think that the state really ought to consider looking at the value that um, that corridor provides to various companies who use it. Um and then look at um, trying to get someone involved in setting up uh, maybe a, a, a toll corridor uh, on I-20. Um, possibly setting up something um, to have a, an 
uh, it's been done in other places. Um, people like to point to Indiana for two different reasons. So parents like to point to Indiana because they say, hey, look, in Indiana, they had this toll road. The state got a good deal out of it. You know, the, the, this company invested billions of dollars into the road. They invested billions of dollars. They gave it to the state. And the state was still making money off the tolls. And then, you know, people who don't like toll roads, they look at what happened afterwards, after several years, and they say, hey, look, this toll road failed. And they, they just want to say, look, the free market won't provide a solution when it comes to roads. When really, it wasn't the free market's failure. It was a failure of a business um, because they overbid on a contract. Right. Because what I've read, um, in the, you know, since the death of that fiasco, is that the company that got the contract that was for 75 years to collect tolls um, on highway in Indiana, they bid too high. And because they bid too high, they weren't able to continue to collect the revenue, um, but they still had to pay the state. Right. Um, so it ended up being a good deal for the state of Indiana, but it wasn't a good deal for the investors. Um, I think that we could come up with something uh, better in South Carolina. Um, I'm not sure what that might look like. That's why we need to investigate it. Um, perhaps it's something like a toll road that would appeal to uh, freight haulers. You know, maybe it's something like where they have two or three lanes where it's strictly for freight, but they pay a toll to, to use that. Um, so they don't have to worry about crazy commuters jumping in front of them at the last second. Right. Well, but still give those trucks the option to not use the toll road and see what happens. Um, I think that, you know, we could investigate it and find out what the free market solution is. I don't know what it is because I'm not a road guy. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy who's on the radio who's using his uh, military training for once in his post-military life. Awesome. That, I mean, that's awesome, man. And I, I definitely, I definitely agree that we need to see some kind of, some kind of effort put in, in the direction of um, a free market solution. Um, let's get to energy. Let's wrap it up there. Um, do you see Texas where you're able to choose from multiple different power companies um, and it's exactly like my insurance business. Um, I work as a broker and someone comes to me and they say they, they have you know ARP for their Medicare supplement and I show them 35 companies that offer the same coverage they have, the same thing they're already using, same doctors and everything and I save them thousands per year and I get paid to do it. And um, Texas is doing the same thing with energy. Um, you have multiple different energy companies you pick the one that has the lowest rate for the same coverage. It's the same thing. It's free market principles. Um, how could we get that here in South Carolina where you have such, oh my gosh, man, you got such corruption with uh, Scana and SCE&G and Duke Energy and uh, Dominion, and they're donating so much money to the, to the campaigns of all the different House and Senate members I have a hard time finding House and Senate members that haven't taken money from these energy companies um, just to simply keep the, the monopoly together to where, you know, for example, solar 
is only capped to only three percent of people in the in the state can have you know a solar cleaner energy solution. Um, and then you know I I definitely don't agree with that. I think people should you know be able to do whatever they want on their property. Uh, but at the same time, the subsidies are pretty pretty astronomically high. You're you know you get the taxpayers on the hook for twenty five percent of of, um, of of an entire solar system, and then the thirty percent um, subsidy from the federal government. Um, so I don't like that redistributionism. I don't think the government should be picking and choosing winners. But I think if we took the subsidies away and lifted the caps, um, the solar companies would find a way to make their product cheap enough to compete. Um, how do we open up the free market as far as energy goes? Um, using the bully pulpit, obviously calling out the people that are taking money. That's what I've used my my platform for since I started doing the show is just exposing the people that are taking money from these energy companies. Uh, but outside of that, what are your thoughts on on consumer choice? Obviously, I, you're you're going to be for it, but um, how can we get that agenda advanced here in South Carolina? Well, a couple of things have to happen. Um, first, we have to we have to repeal the Facebook Review Act of 2007 uh, because uh, if you're like me, I have SCENG. Mm-hmm. Uh, as my energy provider, and because I have SCEG as my energy provider, I um, have over the past few years have paid up to an additional eighteen percent. I think was the last number that I heard uh, on top of my regular energy bill, and you know that's insane. Um, I did a quick back of the envelope uh, calculation. Um, with last month's power bill and you know it was you know I, I could have taken my wife out to uh, a pretty decent dinner with the money that we would have saved um, if SCE&G wasn't uh, allowing me to get their uh, ROI return on investment for uh, a power plant that they are going to finish right um, and then the other things that we have to do we have to look at cutting the um the Doha court with Santee Cooper. Uh Santee Cooper is the only uh, publicly owned energy provider in South Carolina. And because of that, since Santee Cooper was a partner on the VC Summer Project, the citizens of South Carolina are going to have to foot uh, a huge part of the bill when it comes to VC Summer. So, you know, a multi-billion dollar deal that um, would take up a full third and then some of our annual state budget is just insanity. Uh, So we have to get rid of Santee Cooper and we have to look at getting rid of um, things like the...
That is a saint, a state-sanctioned monopoly. And honestly, with the laws that we have in place, it is a state enforcement monopoly. And um, I'm all for people being able to use solar, to use wind, to use wet cow farts if they want to, to help power their house, um, do whatever they want. I just don't want to pay for it. And I think it's very reasonable for me to say I don't want to pay for it. Um, And if we eliminate the subsidies for solar, wind, and all these other forms of alternative energy at the state level, then we can look at eliminating caps when it comes to solar panels and other things. And when people choose whether or not they want to, you know, install a, you know, $15,000 solar system on their house or in their you know, field by their, by their barn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they should, should at least have the choice, right? Um, I, I definitely have to agree with you. I just don't want to pay for it. <laughs> uh, the redistributionism, um, is just, it's nasty and, um, you know, taken from some, some to give to other, it's just not not something I, I've ever believed in. Um, well, let's get to let's get to the core the core thing that I wanted to get to in this show. I'm 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 th- I'm, th- I'm thankful again that you reached out to me, David, to do this. Uh, we probably should have done this a lot sooner, but let's definitely get you on the show again before that election heats up um, because you're not running in a primary like some of these Republicans are. You're you're just uh, you're going for the November election, so you have a long time to get your word out. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad that you um, are working on a ground game. Tell us what um, what's your strategy to win right now. You're in North Augusta. Your your district's in a in a couple different counties. You're getting the word out about your Rhino opponent. He voted to raise the gas tax. I think everybody that voted to raise the gas tax should be primaried and defeated. Um, so you're working on that. What are some of your strategies to win? You mentioned some um, some different uh, politicos that you had, you had talking to that had given you some advice. Um, you mentioned some social media strategies. Um, so what is your strategy to win? How can people find out about your campaign? How can people, um, volunteer to help if they're in the area and, um, where can people donate, uh, to your campaign? So, um, my social media presence is mostly on Facebook right now, um, because my campaign team consists of two people, myself and uh, one volunteer, that being my wife, um, so if people want to reach out to me, um, you can find me on Facebook um, at Weichel, that's W-E-I-K-L-E-F-O-R-S-C-83. Okay. Um, and uh, I am, with my social media presence, I am every week, every Wednesday, I'm getting out there, I'm having a short little uh, town hall format or an interview format where people can ask questions uh, about either my platform, what the Libertarian Party is, what the Libertarian solution is to whatever their problem is. Um, I have business cards and um, some great signs that I've designed and uh, my wife helped design that we've got uh, coming to our campaign headquarters. Um, I have got people that are going to have signs in their yards um, from day one. 
and I've got people that have offered to send Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash my way. And uh, despite the fact that the State Ethics Commission has said that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are illegal to accept as a campaign contribution, uh, I am challenging them on this. And I will continue to accept uh, whatever um, value, uh, whatever item um, my uh, supporters will give me, uh, whether it's gold, silver, cash, check, Bitcoin, um, because it does have value to someone. Uh, the state of South Carolina recently kicked out Genesis Mining um, for selling unlicensed securities. So the state of South Carolina in March said that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies do have value. But uh, this, this uh, in the past two weeks, they've said that it doesn't have value. I am going to challenge that uh, in court if I have to. And uh, I will continue to accept these things. Well, that'd be so. that'd be hell of an interesting story uh, to hear you go into court to fight that man. <laughs> that that'd be about the most libertarian thing you could possibly ever do. <laughs> yeah, fight the dude in a wheelchair, see who wins. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you there, man. Well, um, well, that sounds awesome. Um, it sounds like uh, our listeners need to get behind your campaign. Um, you said it was Weichel for SC eighty three on Facebook. That's correct. Uh, I've also locked down other social media platforms, um, but I'm not active on them right now. Um, additionally, I have uh, Weichel4SC at ProtonMail.com. That's the campaign email. And uh, to call me directly, um, anyone, literally anyone, can call me directly at 803 426 3183. That is my campaign. Uh, Can we get that one more time? Can we get that one more time for folks that might have missed it? That is 803-426-3183. Perfect. Yeah, man. Call this guy up. Call him up. He's fighting for liberty. He's fighting for lower taxes. He's fighting for freedom. He's fighting for good principles. That's fantastic. Well, David, um, that was fantastic, man. You're, You're wonderful on all the issues. You're the strongest person I've ever heard on guns um, here in the state. You, you know, your 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 mind is um, for the individual and not for you know the collective to just pander. Um, it'd be really easy to just run a campaign based off handouts, uh, but it, it takes a man of true integrity and courage to run a campaign uh, based off of you know truly self-help principles. Um, so I definitely commend you for what you're doing, man. And, um, I appreciate you having you on the show. Is there anything else you'd like to add for, for anybody that's considering reaching out to you? Um, no, uh, other than, uh, I just hope that, uh, everyone has a fantastic day, a fantastic night, a uh, fantastic week. And I hope you all fight for liberty like I do. And I hope to hear from each and every one of you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, David Weichel running for SC83. That has been episode 26 of the Conservatarian Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, we appreciate you having, having us here. You can listen to old podcasts at cjwestfall.com slash podcast. You can find us on iTunes, on Anchor, on Stitcher, which is a really cool app. Um, all you have to do is say to Siri, Hi, Siri, I want to hear CJ Westfall's podcast, and you will hear us 
in your headphones, in your car, on the way to work, on the way home from work. Um, thank you so much for listening. As always, this has been episode 26 of the Conservatarian ba- Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with John Warren. Have a great rest of your night, guys. Take care.